Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Whiskey River, take my mind. Oh, man, yeah. Good stuff right there. The fabulous fifth hour. We never know what uh, intro we will go with to start the uh, final hour of our program. There's uh, the legendary Willie Nelson from Abbott, Texas, originally. Rod, from Abbott, Texas. You oh, go, yeah. When you drive to Dallas, you go, you go near Abbott. I was going to say, I don't think I know where Abbott is. As you're coming out of... Uh, yeah, uh, Ty, where do you, Ty, where do you get the uh, the kolaches? They're west and west. When you're coming north of west on 435, headed up to uh, the Metroplex, Rod, uh-huh. you'll you'll see a sign for Abbott, Texas. Okay. Is that Slovics? Slo- Slovchex? Slovchex is really good, but yeah, just north of that, between that and walk in the uh, the outlet malls where you'll find Abbott, Texas. Did not know that. There you go. A little factoid. Learn something new every day. Yeah, that's where old Willie Nelson is from. Is that why he has that gas station up there, Willie's Place? Does he have one? I doubt he has a gas station. Is it his gas station? It's like a Bucky's, but... (laughs) Oh, really? I think somebody borrowed the name. Maybe. I don't know. I'll do some research on that. I don't know that Willie's got time to be... Well, he running don't, gas he don't run it. He just owns, owns it. Yeah. Yeah, he probably owns a lot of stuff. He don't run. Hey, he's still got a golf course out there west. I mean, he got the golf course back out there, the nine hole? No. I, oh, he's got a he's nine got hole a golf, golf course? Yeah, Willie loves golf. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Where does Willie get the time? Right now, he's still writing music, still <laughs> performing. 90 years old 90 now. 90 years old, and he's got all these businesses. Going to KFC with Snoop. Smoking exactly. weed. Okay, it's, it's named after Willie Nelson, but it's the first gas station and the first to sell Willie Nelson biodiesel brand biodiesel. Oh, there you go. So they de- oh, wow. So I guess Willie Nelson's in the gas business. Yeah, or in the- uh, Biodiesel. Yeah, trying to go green, right? Is that, what, what, is is that, that what it is? Is, is that what it is? Yeah, is that like would a, be the greener. greener it's like a, the greener junior. option, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Ah, that sounds like Willie Nelson, though. Well, and, uh, you know. Nice. He likes to go green. Likes to go green. <laughs> he loves to go green. The great Willie. <laughs> but, of course, uh, found his fame here. Now, actually, Willie started in Nashville, and he just didn't like the structure of Nashville. And he was a great songwriter. But then, you know, he's like, I, I want to grow my hair long, and I want to go be an outlaw. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, I'm going to Austin. Outlaw country, baby. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said Carl's Corner. Carl's Corner, that's where the, uh, the, the hookers are, right? That's where Willie's place is. That's, oh, is? What? what? Is that, Hold is up. that Willie's? Is that both? Hold up. Is this where Willie's place is or the hookers? What are we talking about here? Both? Back in the day, Carl's Corner, I was always told, was famous for, if you're a truck driver, you stop there and get some attention. Oh, oh, like lot li- some, li- li- a lot lizard. Yeah. Yes. Find okay. some attention. Yes. I've, I've heard of a lot lizards before. Lot they, lizard. I've never they, heard that one. Yeah, they hang out at the truck stops and stuff, and they just, you know, when the truck stops need a little, when they, the truckers need a little uh, stress reliever. They're right? on the road a long time. They are on the road a lot. Traveling. Uh, That's traveling a hard life. Long. That's a hard life, man. Being a, being a truck driver. Long haul trucker. Mm-hmm. Makes good money, though. It does. It does. Yeah, it makes good money, but it, it, I mean, it's it's rough. Them hours ain't, them hours ain't no joke. I got an uncle that was a truck driver. Me too. Serious hours, man. It's the way of the road. 
Me, yeah. me too. You got to think... really kind of not enjoy it, but you got to be built for that. Yeah, no kidding. Because I'm, I'm not built for. I it. could do it. <laughs> you I probably because some people can drive I like that. It. Some people can drive like nine, ten hours without a break. It's not a big deal for them. Like it, that well, that's because that's out. that's like I don't know. I guess I learned that from my dad because we used to drive. Yeah, exactly. So when we moved from from Akron, Ohio to to Houston. My, my mother is one of seven in her family, and she's very close to her family. Big families. And she said, I'll only move to Houston. I'll only go. We already, they already had two kids. Like, well, yeah, you're going. And she was pregnant with my brother at the time, my third brother. But the, um, I'll only go if we come back to come back to Ohio twice a year. Twice okay. a year, Ron. Because right. i got to see my family. Okay. And he's like, okay, you know, it's a good job. Houston's growing. We want to go to Houston. So, yeah, we used to drive it. Oh, every time? Every well. Wow. Putting five kids on a five people on an airplane. Ooh. Well, it wasn't yeah. in the budget. Twice yeah, back a year. then, yeah, you're right about that. So we just uh we 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 huffed it. Dad bought a big old conversion van and we would drive it. So we Road trip. To, road trip, man. Twenty four we do twenty two <laughs> hours straight through. Oh, straight through. Straight through. Well, yeah. well my mom could drive and she oh, could give right, my dad a little turns. nap yeah. and then well, because the way we do it, we leave in the evening, and you drive all night, and by the time you wake up in the it's morning, still tough, you though. can sleep in the van. Oh and man! By the, and by the time you get, you know, wake up in the morning for breakfast, you're you're more than halfway there at that point. Don't you remember just, those uh, the, the, in the back, just with you and your siblings? Oh All the man. different games you either played or the trouble you end up getting Fights. in because you're, you're so annoyed with each other to be back. Well, because he bought the van, my brother and I could get all the way back into the bed area because you could r- roll the bed down. Yeah. And we would just because you, know, you know, dad would if you were in the car he could like reach reach across reach the seat and whack him. He couldn't reach us. <laughs> I wasn't allowed Jump to sleep noise. in the car if, when, when I was with my dad on road trips. You couldn't. I'd be nodding off like wake up. Oh, oh no. he wanted you we, to stay up with him and keep yeah, coming. Listen to talk radio the entire way, and I'm like, wow, this really sucks. <laughs> we would snooze it like crazy. We'd crash hard. My mom would give us like Dramamine, so we would just she drug y'all. She drug us. She drug us. Yeah. Oh uh, man, man, we we so for a little while we would go up summer and and Christmas, okay. and then it became just once a year, and then mm, Lindsay yeah. got less unless we got older. And but yeah, yeah so that's I, a long I, road So that's my so driving. I, I'm going. I actually one time drove from from Ohio back to Austin at St. Edwards all the way through by my just on my own oh, on your own. Man, the only stop I made was in Tennessee. I ran in. I drove into this huge dense fog. It was one of the scariest moments of my driving life. Because I couldn't see anything. It's one of those things when you yeah. see these like forty yeah. car pileups. It's great. Yeah, it was like three in the morning, yeah. four um, in the yeah. morning. I'm like, all right, I'm getting off. I need to stop. Yeah, and I, and I just remember seeing a sign for the fog got real dense of a, of a rest area, so I ruled off into the next rest area and just parked for a while, and uh, well, slept for a couple hours, and then got up and got. I always, I always have this feeling like, okay, if I'm sleeping, I'm not moving. So when I wake up, I'm gonna still be where I'm at. And yeah. I'm not any closer to where I want to be. Yeah. So your so motivation, I'll, I'll just power through. Yeah. Your motivation to get the trip done is enough to incentivize yes. you to power I'll through. Sleep the when sleep. I get there, Rob. No, I don't need to eat and all that stuff. Now I'm good. You know what else? Who else kind of has a trucker's a trucker soul? Craig really? Way. Craig Way. I was just gonna say Craig, Craig Way. Way. Craig Way has a kind of a trucker's soul. He does. Craig Way loves to drive. He'll save I like, like IMG too. money because he'll be like, nah, I'd rather drive this. Like, Chris, it'll take you a little bit longer. Nah, I'm good. I, I got a there's, a, there's a cafe that I want to visit there that has really good waffles, and I want to go see this historical monument. I'll do all that while I drive. And also, yeah, I'll prep too somehow. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Craig's unbelievable. And talk on the phone. <laughs> and talk on the phone. And say, random sends you uh, texts and tweets about stuff. He's random like, stuff. I'm like, aren't you on and the road? And he's hauling like 85. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's notoriously. <laughs> he likes the speed. He's a speedster. Well, our conversion van was so <laughs> we, we got so good at it that, of course, when I was in in uh, almost in high school or middle school, my dad thought it'd be a good idea for the Hogans to go Griswolds from the oh. vacation movies. Oh yeah, and we drove from Houston 
We drove like 7,000 miles, Rod. We drove to Vancouver, Canada. We That's went to the, crazy. We went to the, it was a three-week trip. We went to the Grand Canyon, wow. Yellowstone, Seattle, because we were going to Vancouver for the World's Fair. My dad had, a, had work there. That's amazing. And then we drove all the way down the Pacific Coast Highway back. Well, I bet that was beautiful, though. I bet that was beautiful. Well, and Sounds like my worst nightmare. You probably didn't appreciate it as a kid, miles. but so I we, bet that drive was gorgeous. We can't, Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, because we got to the Grand Canyon, we stayed for two or three days. And yeah. then we went to the Yellowstone. We, it was a three-week trip. So we would stop in destination. We were in Vancouver for for like five Vancouver's days. Vancouver's beautiful. Oh, what a gorgeous, yeah, stunningly that, pretty city. It, it is stunning. It's a great way to describe it. And then down the coast, and we went to Los Angeles, went to Disneyland World or Land, whichever one's in California. Went to a Dodgers game. I think game. that's the we land. Did the, whole bit. the land is California. The world is Florida. Yeah, we did if I'm the, not mistaken. Three weeks, seven thousand miles. I think my mom still has a. We never took a family road. Our longest family road trip was to. Fl- we went to Disney World <laughs> as a family. Me, my brother, my mom, my dad, and that was that's the longest trip we did. But we yeah, we drove we were, the whole way. We were the Griswolds. It was, yeah, and we could make tell stories for days. Okay, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline because we got football on the brain, Longhorns in Alabama, obviously, but also the recruiting front. There's Ooh. a big one coming up tonight, 6 o'clock. This man's got a trucker soul, too, because he's always driving. And this man has a driving. trucker's soul. <laughs> we call him Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, he is uh, Jerry Hamilton. What's up, Jerry? What's up, Jerry? What's going on, man? Yeah, y'all don't want me to go through my trips of thousands of miles. I guarantee you that. You know, it's boring and takes all day. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're you're a trucker soul too, is that right? You like to you like to get behind the wheel and just go. Oh yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'm I'm going to New Orleans, Saraland, Florida, <laughs> Orlando, to IMG, and all the way back to Houston, just wow. driving it in a week and hitting all the schools, hitting commitments. Uh, you know, going to see all those places. So I, I love that part of the business because I get to sit down in coaches' offices and talk with coaches. That's how I grew up, man. That's what I love about this business, but I am crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Jerry Hamilton yeah, inside totally. Texas on three sports. They're uh, tremendous recruiting coverage. And there's a big one tonight, 6 o'clock. Uh, tell folks who's going to make a commitment today and choose between Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's a, a on three industry ranking four-star uh, Zena Umozulu. Obviously, his brother is Neto, left guard uh, for the University of Texas. He is announcing at Allen High School out of Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. Uh, feeling is it's been Texas recruitment to lose for a while now, obviously with the family ties to Texas. But I can say this, Oklahoma and A&M, they recruited him all summer. Like uh, They didn't think it was just a foregone conclusion he would end up at Texas. I think what's interesting about his decision is, um, you know, look, it's, it's – if Neto is happy as a student and as an athlete at Texas, I think that really would help Sarkeesian, Kyle Flood, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski being the edge coach, ND coordinator in this recruitment. Obviously, Kyle Flood coaches Neto uh, because the family's very happy on the academic side, as you would expect uh, with Neto. Uh, it's easy to envision having both of your kids at the University of Texas. Uh, but then it comes down to is Neto happy as a football player at Texas? And so far, so good. And I do think if uh, Zena picks Texas at 6 p.m. Eastern and Inside Texas will be there um, uh, live, that uh, that will be a big reason why, guys. And he's the edge. His brother's a guard. He's the edge player. And obviously Colin Simmons, the best edge in the country, is already committed to Texas as part of this class. Yeah, and absolutely. And Colin Simmons is is an elite edge pass rusher, uh, probably the best natural edge pass rusher in this class nationally. I think Zena uh, is more along the lines of Ethan Burke. He's got that tall six four and a half. He's about two twenty five right now. That eighty three inch type of wingspan, those really long arms. 
that frame that's going to take some time to develop, right, guys? Mm-hmm. But he's got twitch. He's got quick feet. Um, he's playing some middle linebacker this year for Allen out of necessity, uh, which also speaks to what the kid will do to help him try to win football games because that definitely sets his development as an edge back a little bit. But he's a guy that down the line, as he adds more weight and strength to that frame, and he learns pass rush technique uh, with those long arms and that frame, he has a chance to be a quality player. Hey, Jerry, uh, I want to ask you, because I was uh, on at Inside Texas Day doing a little research, saw a great article talking about this week in Bama and how crucial it is just in recruiting, too, whether Texas wins or loses this game and how they perform. Uh, what are your thoughts about Texas getting in recruiting battles with Bama? And recently, obviously, since Sark came over, brought that staff from Bama, they've gotten in some head-to-head recruiting battles. How many of those has Texas won, and are they winning you know, their fair share of these battles against Bama in recruiting? Yeah, I think in the last couple of classes they have. Um, I, I think Sark and the staff have done a really good job uh, of battling in the state of Texas. I mean, look, Kelvin Banks could have gone to Bama. I mean, a DJ Campbell visited Bama. Manny Muhammad could have gone to Bama. Uh, Derek Williams. I mean, there's a number of guys when you go down that list on the Texas roster uh, that t- this staff has done a really good job, especially in state. Uh, beating Alabama on some key guys. Obviously, Arch Manning could have gone to Bama, right, mm. for the Alabama State guys. Uh, I mentioned Derek Williams, right? Um, Cedric Baxter, yeah. he could have gone anywhere. Um, so this staff is doing a very good job battling Alabama. Uh, the, the key is the interesting thing for me long term is when Texas starts playing in the SEC, then they're really an SEC program. They've been – putting getting you know trying to plant the flag a little bit in that southeast region in recruiting before they've ever played a game in the sec now they're actually going to be an sec member next year and if they continue to kind of build and ascend this program under sarkeesian i think that'll open up more opportunities for them i think texas obviously they've recruited well in louisiana they've recruited well in florida and i think they can continue to do so i think when you get into alabama in Georgia, that's a different category for Texas. And they've had a little success in Mississippi. But if, when you've arrived as an SEC program that's recruiting in the Southeast region, you actually pull a kid or two out of Georgia, mm-hmm. which right now, if Georgia wants a player, that's the hardest player to get a, 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 a kid from out, out of any state because Georgia's won the last two national championships and they're on top of the college football world. It's hard to go in there and get a player. Right yeah. now, that you really want, like Daniel Calhoun went to Georgia mm-hmm. over Texas in the cycle. So we'll see here how it goes. But this staff has built to recruit in the SEC region, and they've had success in some key states before they've ever played a game in the SEC. Hey, just so you bring that up, um, Jerry, because I was doing research not too long ago, trying to find the most fertile, uh, basically metro areas in America and trying to see if any yep. of them were as, as as fertile as DFW. And the only one that I could find that was as fertile as DFW, you let me know because your research is better than mine and your knowledge is, was the Atlanta metro area that has no produced question. probably more NFL draft picks since 2020 than any other metro area in the country. DFW was second. Yeah, and that's why I've said, I've, and I've taken some uh, – uh, backlash for saying it on Inside Texas, but Georgia's the best recruiting job in the country right now hmm. because of the uh, uh, the population explosion south into yeah. the uh, in that Atlanta area. The, and now the difference is you have to win at a high level if you're Georgia because a lot of those kids don't grow up 
from three years three years old and up as Georgia fans. People have moved into that state, but that area, what makes Atlanta area so great, guys? They have every position, and they're large humans, mm. and they're athletes, mm. right? Like the, the Dade Broward County in South Florida, long, long time was considered the, the most talented two county area in America. But they have an abundance of skill guys, some edge guys. They don't really produce quarterbacks down there. I'm not saying anything. Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson was actually Palm Beach County. Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm talking numbers of those guys, numbers in the offensive line. That area has produced tons of great skill players. Atlanta produces everything, and that's why it's such a great job at Georgia if you win. And then you can head east to the Carolinas. You can head south of Florida, and then you can head west in Alabama, Mississippi, and all the way to Texas. So that's why that's such a great recruiting job, Rod. I get 100% agree with you, and DFW, for a run of about five years now, has produced every player at every position. Good and job. that is what separates areas in recruiting, is if you're producing somebody at every position mm-hmm. that all these programs want, you're, in, you're in really on a different level. Nice. Yeah. Well, and Texas has built that pipeline into uh, DFW for sure. Neto's brother, Nina Zena, would be another big one tonight at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock our time. We will certainly see where that one lands. And Inside Texas will be there live with Jerry Hamilton and the crew. Hey, Jerry, the, the game itself. Um, you know, you've, you've seen all, a lot of these star players. You watched them in high school. Who are some of the names you're really watching for Alabama? I know we know Jalen Milrow at quarterback, but uh, yeah. Jace McClellan, the uh, the kid from Alito at running back. Who are some of the other guys you're watching and Longhorn fans need to watch in the Crimson Tide uh, uniforms? Yeah, I think uh, the freshman left tackle, Caden Proctor. You know, Texas put Kelvin Banks out there from the get-go last year, and Alabama's done the same thing with Caden Proctor, uh, arguably number one offensive tackle in the country in that 23 class. Then uh, Tyler Booker, a guard from IMG, who's originally from Connecticut. I think he'll be a first, second-round pick. Then J.C. Latham, the right tackle, who's at IMG, originally from Wisconsin. He'll be a first-round pick. So on the offensive line, they got three of the largest humans you'll see. Defensive line, Jaheim Otis is a great one for me, the nose guard for Bama, uh, because obviously that'll be a big battle for Texas. Uh, Jake Majorson entered offensive line. But Jaheim Otis, I saw him at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game his senior year, and he was probably 390-ish, maybe 400 pounds. Wow. Maybe 385 at the lightest. Oof. He's down to 325. Whoa. He has lost a lot of weight, and he was already athletic. So I'm very interested to see now what he looks like as an athlete over the nose long-term. Then they have a kid, Tim Smith, out of Sebastian River in Florida, who I, I saw it called some of his games in high school. He's a really talented jumbo athlete, too. Uh, those guys, I think, are going to be what Texas fans are going to be eyeing, that interior of the Texas offensive line versus these big dudes across from the line of scrimmage for Alabama on the defensive line. Uh, then, you know, obviously in the secondary, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, but I want Texas fans to really watch Caleb Downs, the freshman five-star safety. He is not your average freshman safety in college football. He was an early enrollee, which helps. His father, Gary Downs, played running back in the NFL and is the running back's coach at East Tennessee State on the college level. His older brother, Josh Downs, was a tremendous wide receiver at North Carolina, I believe a second-round pick in the Mm -hmm. NFL draft. Caleb Downs combines instincts, size, playing speed, knowledge of the game, I'm not going to sit here and say he can be Earl Thomas because that's I always hesitate to compare guys to Hall of Fame players, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he has that type of career. I think he's that level prospect and player. Wow. 
what about the receivers? I mean, we know Jace McClellan. I mean, he's a big time running back. But uh, how, how good? What would they, they, we know lines of scrimmage you just went through, Jerry, are going to be elite. Uh, who are the guys that really scare you on the outside? Uh, you know, on the on the offensive side, anybody, or is this not the, as dynamic an Alabama team as we've seen? Aaron, I think that's a great point. They, for about four years, five year run, Alabama can flat out overwhelm you with offensive talent. They had four first round picks at receiver. Jalen Waddle scared the heck out of you in the punt return game. They had multiple high NFL draft picks at running back. Eight deep of NFL draft picks in the first three, four lines, uh, three, four rounds on the offensive line. A quarterback that was going to win the Heisman or be one overall or go in the first round. They're not that level of talent. They can't just overwhelm you where you go into the game saying, man, we got to have an LSU type effort with Joe Burrow and score 46 to win at Alabama. It's not like that. But they still have draftable guys. Ja'Cory Brooks, some of those receivers, they may not be Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, some of those names that Texas fans got familiar with watching Bama for those years. They have a bunch of NFL draft picks, but they don't have that level guy to where it just scares you to death. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to win some one-on-ones. They're not going to make plays because they certainly will. But this is a different Alabama offense. I think running back's interesting. Like you mentioned, Chase McClellan. Uh, Jamarion Miller, a sophomore from mm-hmm. Tyler Legacy High School, was a one-time Texas commitment that may start Saturday. Uh, then there's Justice Haynes, the freshman out of the Atlanta area. We're just talking about that Atlanta area. It's been really good to Nick Saban. Will Anderson, go down the list. Uh, freshman running back that Alabama's really high on there as well. And there's hey, look, there's a, several guys now. Jalen Milrow, we mentioned, was a Texas commitment that flipped the Bama. Jamarion Miller was a Texas commitment that flipped the Bama. So there's a little bit of that past recruiting angle in this game as well. Oh, oh man. That. Big for so many yep. reasons, and obviously what it would mean if Texas could steal a win out of there and become only the sixth team since 08 to win at Bryant-Denny Stadium. That would be uh, a massive for a team that's already recruiting very, very well and head-to-head. Hey, Jerry, always great, man. We go on and on, but uh, that is uh, really good stuff, and we thank you for it. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, and remember, Jerry will be one of my guests on our uh, in-game watch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when we're out at uh, Fieldhouse at the crossover, uh, when the when the pregame's over, Rod, and the game starts, I'm going to go into the – my man Charles Milligan out there at yes. Fieldhouse has got yes. me a back room. One my private my, room, my, my, huh? my back cave, my <laughs> e-cave. And I'm going to go online and be able to do the in-game watch, watch with us, and uh, – have Jerry and, um, you know, I, I don't think Bob, Bobby Burton not this week because he's going to be at the game. He actually is going to the Bama yeah. game. So, uh, yeah, yeah, inside Texas crew, some of the, uh, the, the Ian team. Ian Boyd joined us last week, which yeah. was great. Justin For, Wells might jump on Justin there. Justin Wells. It's just it's, uh-huh. it's a series of people rolling through watching yep. the game with you. So if you're not at the field house, certainly, and you're not uh, you know at the game and you're sitting at your house, turn on your computer or your iPad or whatever it is and just fire up the YouTube and it's the On Texas Football YouTube. It's called Watch With Us. Got some great uh, great stuff. It's, it's a good it's awesome. way to watch the game. You can turn the sound down just a bit on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, analyzing the game as it happens on a play-by-play basis is, is good stuff. You get halftime analysis. Ian Boyd came on last week, Rod, and you know, oh. gave, came up with the halftime adjustments. And just like you would He's have done. He's a football theorist. I love it. Said get the ball out of, of uh, Quinn's hands quicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, get to some RPO. <laughs> and what did they do? They, they come out, dink, 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 RPO, quick pass game. That JT Sanders touchdown was similar RPO, pop pass. Boom. Pop pass, and that's the way it all got going. So we appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you to Jerry, Inside Texas. Watch with us. You were a part of a live stream there last night. Uh, yes, did uh, on Texas live stream. We'll have another one tonight around uh, 7. But I actually did talk to somebody who uh, got a chance to participate in your in-game watch. And they said it was awesome. So cool. they had a really good time. Cool. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be even better. 
better uh, this time around because the game is going to be better. Well, there's, <laughs> and, and there's not 105,000 people at the stadium. They're, they're more at home now, right? That there's is only, true. That's a good point. Yeah, you, so more, they, if you want to be a part of the, a community and watch the game, because a lot of people, they want to watch it with other Longhorn fans, you can come out there physically and watch it at the Fieldhouse House the crossover. will be heard. Or if you're at home, it's okay. You can go to the uh, the in-game watch uh, party with my man E. Hogan and the On Texas football team. Yeah, coming back, we go behind the burn orange curtain one last time here on this Wednesday. Also, what's popping? What's popping? Before the end of the hour, safe to say Jose Altuve is popping. The Rangers are not. We'll get you details coming. Your exclusive home for the Jim Rome Show. We also have an affiliate in Austin. You'll never find anybody anywhere who doesn't think that that's one of the best towns ever. It is. Big shout out to our new affiliate in Austin. The Horn, 1019 FM in 1260 AM. The jungle is always growing. It's a Texas takeover. The Jim Rome Show, 11 to 2. Good to be back on the air there. Austin, Texas sports. The Horn. Under. Dog Fantasy, a new way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. And maybe you don't have the time to invest in a season-long fantasy football team. It's just there's too much management. You got to do pickups and ads and trades and rosters. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Underdog Fantasy is perfect for you then. You love the fantasy idea, the adrenaline rush, following your favorite players, picking your team every week, but you don't want want the hassle of the whole season commitment. Uh, Well, that's what the Underdog Fantasy is all about. It's a fantasy game. You can win real money. It's legal here in Texas, but it's a total blast. It's a week-to-week situation. You pick between two and five players in a game. So, for example, tomorrow night, now you could pick Jared Goff and uh, Patrick Mon. You pick the players you think are going to go higher or lower on their in-game totals or the season totals. And then do what you do. You sit back and watch the game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in that game and then a single game for going five for five. Really is a great way. You don't have to worry about long-term injuries wrecking your season. You're making new picks every week. It's uh, also so easy to get on and be a part of it. Underdog has a, a really smooth and super slick mobile app. It makes the sign-up process smooth. Uh, the the, uh, the You get the chance to win money. It's the added level of entertainment I think a lot of you have been looking for if you don't want to do fantasy and the chance to win some cash. And it's so easy to do. Build your dream team starting tomorrow night. Head over there to their easy-to-use mobile app or go to the under the website underdogfantasy.com. That's underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with the promo code HOGAN, my last name, H-O-G-A-N. They're going to double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code HOGAN, also on the mobile app. And have some fun with fantasy football week by week, game by game. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Shotgun Willis sits around in his underwear. Willie all day in the final hour. I love that uh, fabulous fifth hour with uh, Ian Rod being tied before the top of the hour. Ty will have his uh, Sex Panther pick of the night, the What's Poppin' picks, including I'll tease it because we know the Astros play the Rangers tonight. One more matchup. The Astros have scored 27 runs in the first two games. Jose Altuve has been unbelievable, historically great. And uh, But tonight you get the featured attraction, Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander. How's that for you? I, I mean, I, I love it, but I don't like pitchers' duels. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to go into a game knowing it's going to be low scoring and getting hype and excited about that. 
Don't miss it because because Altuve's been jumping on those first pitches and <laughs> jacking them out. He's been hot. He's been hottest hitter in baseball for the last what two weeks or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, can I give you a number? We'll do it. We'll do it in what's popping because uh, Jose Altuve, since he's come back off the the injured list, has been unbelievable. Yeah. And the Astros since since Altuve's come back, they're averaging over six and a half runs a game. It's freaky, man. And he's a huge part of it. Also, Jordan Alvarez came back at that point, and Astros now lead the division. Rangers are. In the midst of a, of a pretty good good collapse here, uh, and that's this, Well, this was sure. this was their series and their opportunity, Rod, to say, you know what, it was we had a bad stretch, but we still control our destiny, and we we got this, and it, it's gone the opposite. They've gotten just decimated over two nights, and uh, kind of humbled. Hopefully, Scherzer can get it back on track. That's the hope, because if they can win this, they'll be even with the Astros. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. They need a shot of confidence. The Rangers do right now, but the Astros have kind of taken it out of them. With 27 oh. runs in two days Oof. versus seven runs for they're, the Rangers, they're healthy, they're hot, right? So it's like that's right but, now is for the Astros. They haven't been health this healthy all season long, and they definitely have not been this hot. The bats have not been this all hot together, all. right? Yeah. Uh, there's always been some one piece out, and now they're mm-hmm. all back. And uh, Altuve, we've seen it his whole career. He's the catalyst, and when he gets hot, he can carry you. And he's carrying this <sighs> offense right now. Uh, you know, in addition to the, so you said it the other day, he had he had a cycle. Now he's, got a, now he's got a stretch where he hit three home runs in three innings, but five home runs and a seven at bat stretch over two games. He also went over three th- uh, two thousand hits earlier mm-hmm. this this, uh, this, no. this season. The stats are just crazy. They're associated. With, I, my favorite one about the crazy stats that he's he's had uh, at least in this run. Uh, last seven games, you said he hit for the cycle had four consecutive home runs in four consecutive at-bats. Yeah. And the only player in Major League Baseball history to accomplish both of those feats in the same season was in 1933, the Triple Crown winner Jimmy Fox did it. That's right. But that's, that's it. Right. <laughs> right. Somebody said the Rangers need Josh Young back badly. That's true. That's absolutely true. But the Rangers need Josh Young maybe come back and be able to pitch. Uh, that would help them. But mm. he's their third baseman. He's a great player. Uh, maybe going to be the, the rookie of the year. This says uh, Rangers are two back of Houston. That is true. Rangers are two back of Houston, one back of the Mariners. Astros now hold sole possession of first place for the first time all season long. But it's right at the right time and the time that counts. Let's dive in behind the burnt orange curtain. Rod's got some good stuff. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, uh, time to uh, get to some uh, behind the burnt orange curtain discussion. And I think most of the discussion that we've been having uh, this week has, at least a lot of it, has been about Quinn Ewers and how he's going to look in the game and what the offense is going to look like, how Sark is going to call the plays to get his qu- his quarterback comfortable and confident. And I happen to think the game plan is going to look totally different and the offense is going to look totally different than it did in the Rice game. Now, we know in the Rice game you had a very vanilla game plan, very conservative game plan. So that alone is why the offense is going to look very different. Right? You only had uh, one target to motion, five or uh, six O-line, uh, uh, basically personnel groupings on only six 21 personnel grouping, six plays of 21 personnel, uh, and just three snaps out of empty. So you'll have a lot more of those conceptual signatures in the Alabama game. But how the offense will be called and how the offense will be constructed around Quinn Ewers and Quinn Ewers' strengths and weaknesses, that's really my biggest concern. Because I think if you're going to beat Bama, there's no doubt about it, your quarterback's got to have a great game. Really, history would tell us, uh, based on what E uh, pointed out yesterday, that your quarterback's got to have a transcendent game (laughs) in order for you to pull off an upset win over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. 
So how does Sark make sure that his quarterback is in a groove and in a rhythm? I found a couple of numbers that are, um, I think they're pretty enlightening about uh, the current strengths and the current weaknesses of one Quinn Ewers and how you can build the game plan around his strengths. All right. And uh, try your best to, if you're Sark, you know, you, you can't avoid some of the weaknesses being exposed, but you can do your best to try to, you know, mitigate that and try to put him in a position where he's not going to be exposed in the game versus rice. It was rice, but Quinn was exposed to a certain extent because the average yards to gain on third down was 8.9 which means you're in a predictable passing situation a lot if your average yards to gain on third down are 8.9. So you got you cannot have that against Bama. If that's the case versus Bama, you will lose, and you'll probably get beat pretty handily. So how do you get your quarterback in a groove and a rhythm? Well, we saw it in the second half. It's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. I found some numbers uh, on Quinn from Pro Football Focus uh, and from uh, College Football Reference. Quinn Ewers on screen throws in the Rice game. So screens of any kind, wide receiver screens, running back screens, just a simple, easy throws for Quinn. He was 6 of 6. They averaged 11.3 yards per attempt on screen passes alone. Just a simple, easy completion, high percentage pass for your quarterback, but yet the maximum return of yak yards and yards after contact on screen passes. Um, so that was that's a really good number. RPOs, another even Sark himself describes RPOs as it is an easy completion. Like he, he himself says, no, it's a, it, our, our, there, he calls them opportunity throws. And the reason that RPOs are opportunity throws is because he describes them as an opportunity for an easy completion. I'm just taking Sark's words. So the RPO throws for Quinn Ewers in week one against Rice, he was seven of seven. So just on screens and RPOs alone, you're talking about a guy, he's 13 of 13. <laughs> he had a 157.4 quarterback rating. On RPO throws, that was the second best in the Power Five in Week One. He's great on the RPO throws. He's great. He's, he's natural. His footwork is 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 a, a lot more efficient. And also, I think because he can keep his eyes, his eye contact on the defense, RPOs seem a lot more natural. And RPO is just a quick game. It's a combination of the quick game and the run game. It's a combination of them. And he's really good in the quick game, the short game, and the intermediate game. Those are the strengths of Quinn Ewers' skill set where we get into his insecurity and where he's not as confident and, and calm and collected making throws is on the deep ball. He throws it like he's insecure because he is insecure. He knows he's not good at throwing the deep ball. So when he has to throw it, Mm, he doesn't step into throws. The footwork suffers a little bit. I think it's a confidence issue. But when he's throwing short to intermediate throws, like I just listed for you, he's amazing because he's throwing them with confidence. You know, the footwork is a follow-through. The, the mechanics, all of that is a, a really efficient, efficient and effective level. And I went and looked at passes, period, where um, intermediate and short passes, just intermediate, which is 10 to 15, 10 to 20 yards, and short passes is uh, from the line of scrimmage, to 10 yards. So 0 to 10 is short. 10 to 15, that is considered to be your intermediate area. Um, in the game versus Rice, Quinn U.S. was 6 of 8 on intermediate throws, 6 of 9 on short throws. <laughs> so, like I said, intermediate and short. All the evidence, all the data supports that he's really good when he's got to throw short to intermediate routes. And here's another uh, stat that I think also it, 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 it enlightens you about Quinn's skill set overall. And we have enough of a sample size now, I think, to extrapolate some of this stuff very accurately. When he's throwing against the blitz, these are pro football focus numbers now, when he's throwing against the blitz, they have him uh, versus Rice with an 80% completion percentage. 80% completion percentage. Um, they claim he was 12 or 15 throwing against the blitz. 
And we know Rice threw a lot of different exotic pressure packages at Texas because they had him on third and eight. 0.9 yards to gain on third down on average. So they were able to open things up with their pressure packages, and we know they got home a few times, confusing the Texas uh, pass blocking schemes. You can stay away from all those concerns, or at least you can avoid all those concerns with the pass protection if you're getting the ball out quickly. And if you're using the RPOs, because the ball's going to be out quick, and by the time the twists and stunts are able to get home, or, or by the time the twists and stunts are able to be executed, it won't matter. They'll be moot because the ball will be out of his hands. So I think that's what you're going to get in this matchup, guys. I think you're going to get a lot of short to intermediate game, a ton of RPOs. Like I said, all the stats, they point out that if you're throwing short, intermediate, and you're throwing quick game, that Quinn Ewers is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. It's when you have to open up and try to chunk it deep, 15 yards or 20 yards downfield. By the way, he was not only 0 of 6, 0 for on 20-plus yard passes down the field versus Rice. He was actually 0 of 7 on 15-plus yard passes down the field. So even if you're talking about 15-plus yards down the field, he still begins to struggle when he's a little bit under underwhelming. He underperforms there. If you're a Sark, you cannot take a chance in this game of getting yourself behind the chains or getting your quarterback uh, insecure All right, by throwing the ball deep, especially on first down. Get him in a groove. Get him in a rhythm. Get him confident. Um, and then that, that Quinn Ewers, I think, will be in a much better position to help you pull off the upset. The deep ball will come. Just don't chase it. When you chase it, you put your quarterback in a really compromising position. Behind the burn orange curtain, there you go. Uh, uh, this guy says, and I was thinking the same thing. I mean, obviously Alabama knows that too. They'll, can they flood that short intermediate route, which they'll do, and you're going to have to um, you know, be able to run the football, uh, but you can't just live in there, can you, or can you? Uh, we, you you we, can. We're supposed to be out empty. You you can. You can live in the short to intermediate area. You can. If they are, which is possible, right? We talked about this yesterday in basketball. They always say if you got a terrible shooter, we had a text to bring it up. You got a terrible shooter, you let them shoot. Let them shoot themselves right out of the game because they're bad at shooting. That's the reason they're open is because that is a low percentage shot for them, and you go defend the higher percentage shots closer to the basket, in the paint, mid-range shots, that kind of thing. And if you're a Bama, you can take the same approach. You know Texas is bad at the deep ball. They were eighth best in complete the deep ball last season. Um, they didn't improve much in the offseason. They were 0 for versus Rice, even though Rice DBs are pretty good. So why the hell would you waste manpower and resources defending something they're bad at executing? That seems to me like that's not that's, that, that ill-advised, right? So you, you can do what Oklahoma State did this to, to Sark actually at one point. You remember the Oklahoma State game last season where Sark threw the ball deep so much and they had 14 overthrows, the most by a quarterback in the last 10 years, a broke-hand quarterback throwing to a broke-hand wide receiver? You know why Sark threw it so deep? He actually had more deep throws in that game than any game all year. Because Oklahoma State, go look at them. They actually won the best third-down defenses in the country the last three years. They were actually really good this year. They were like top five in third down defense this year. And they've been top top five, top ten in third down defense probably each of the last three years. And one of their secrets is they flat foot read third downs. Right? They're playing the sticks. You got third and six, they're going to flat foot read right at the sticks. Because most third down playbooks and plays are designed to get the first down. On third and six, you're not chunking a deep ball. Sark might. You're not chunking a deep ball. All right, because that's a low percentage. So you're trying to get the first down. And what Oklahoma State does, they use that logic and figure, all right, you got to get the first down. Most of the time, that's what this play is designed to do. We're going to flat foot read it, and we're going to play the sticks. And when you flat foot read and play the sticks, which is what Alabama might do, decide, you know what, we're going to we'll rally to the deep ball since they're so bad at it. But we are definitely going to be in a position to tackle any underneath routes in a position to break up or in a position to defend all the underneath throws. 
Oklahoma State did it really well. And Sark kept thinking, well, they're giving me the deep ball because they're flat foot reading it. I got to take it. And he kept taking it. But you're chasing it. You, you think you're taking it, but they want you to take it. That's, the, that's why you're open. <laughs> like the guy that's open, I'm wide open for a three-point shot. Yeah, because you're terrible at shooting three-point shots. So we're going to leave you open because it'd be stupid to go out there and defend you every damn time because you don't, complete, you don't convert them anyway. So I, there's a chance Bama could do that. They well, could. But you, you, if you, in order to break that, if you're Texas, in order to remedy that, you have to complete one of them D-balls. you got to make them pay for cheating up. And if you can't make them pay for cheating up, like Oklahoma State, they're going to keep on cheating up. Keep doing it. They'll keep on well, cheating up. That's where Texas fans hope it was the, the broke hand and the wind and all those things that were in Stillwater that day. And they can complete some of those downfield passes. Because if you're right, if you're Alabama, you're thinking the same way. And they'll give them to you. And they, yes. Texas has actually better weapons this year in those spots than they had last year. And guys who can go make those plays. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it's what's popping time. We'll get you wrapped up and uh, tell you what we're going to be popping on today and tonight in the sports world. Ty will give us a pick, and we'll get get uh, get you off to Jim Rome. Coming back, what's popping? Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. What's popping? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that play stocking. What is popping? I'll tell you what's popping, Rod Babers. According to the Atlanta Falcons this morning and uh, Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk, rookie running back B. John Robinson, who was listed as the team's third string running back during training camp, despite being the eighth pick in the draft, is now listed as the first team running back for the Atlanta Falcons ahead of their week one game. Uh, with Tyler Algier and Corderell Patterson listed at two and three. So Bijan Robinson, without a doubt and no surprise, yeah. the number one back in Atlanta. Not a miss. I mean, that's, I don't know why it took him so long to <laughs> promote. Had to earn him. it, Ron. Yeah, I mean, he didn't earn it because he only played like one preseason game, so he didn't have to earn it. It was Had like just four coaches, carries. Yeah, he loved to play these mind games. It's like, okay, yes. Remember, Domingo Ryan did this about, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Yeah, CJ Stroud's got to earn it. And it's like, really? You going to put Davis Mills out there again? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how you want to be on the hot seat really quickly as a new head coach. Uh, drafted quarterback, doubled overall, uh, not number two overall, and then decide, nah, I'm not going to play the guy. We'll play the other dude, Davis Mills. Like, no, nah, can't go that route. Don't play the mind games. Don't play the Just mind play games. All right, so that's popping. What do you have that's popping, Rod? Uh, well, nothing's popping but watching Bama. I mean, I'm just watching Bama All film. Bama film? Yeah, watching more Bama film tonight. Uh, we'll try to figure out – um, how the uh, Bama offense going to match up against that Texas defense. I'll do a little bit more deep dive in there because I'm going to go back and watch that 2016 Bama-Washington game. There you go. Pete Kwiatkowski, uh, head-to-head. Head. Yeah, trying to see what Pete Kwiatkowski had as a, you know ideas about spying Jalen Hurts at the time, who a lot of people, including yourself, have compared to Jalen Milrow. Just yeah. his kind of raw athleticism. Kind of feel like they're the same kind of player, right? Both, yeah. both from the Houston area, too. I don't disagree with that. And big same size mm-hmm. and more runners than throwers right now. So can you force them to be a thrower is the question. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great. Can't wait to hear the the thoughts there. Because that was 2016 when PK was the D.C. for Chris Peterson at Washington. And they yep. went head-to-head with uh, Alabama. And uh, what that game plan looked like. Buda Baker had a cool quote talking about uh, how they had to oh, yeah. try to attack that back in the day. Uh, all right. Uh, this uh, By the way, Rod, how, how do the Astros take over the uh, Rangers and the Mariners now? Since the trade deadline, which is August, right? The last day of July into August. The L.A. Dodgers have the league's best record at 25-8. and eight. 
And they've, they've been the best team in baseball since the deadline, since August 1st hit. Mm-hmm. And they've stretched out that division lead in the West to 14 games. Uh, the, Do- the Braves are 23-10 and 10 in that stretch. Uh, the Mariners, who we know have been red hot, are 22-10 and 10 in that stretch. That's how they've gotten them back into this race. Houston's 19-14. and 14. The Rangers are 16-16. and 16. Hmm. Uh, That has been their record since the break. Worst team since the, since the, uh, the trade deadline. The team should have traded Shohei Otani. The oh. miserable LA Angels are eight and twenty-four. How'd they ever win eight? They are eight and twenty-four. That's no way Shohei's going going back there. No way. There's no way. No. So in that way. case, no way Shohei. But why the hell did didn't they trade him? Like I still now. Why didn't they trade him? This I, is I, crazy. I said it at the time. I said, this oh. is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They're not a team that can make the playoffs this year. What are they doing? Not only did they not trade him, they traded prospects to go for it. Yeah, they traded away. And now they've so released they, all the guys they got. That is front office malpractice, man. Well, I'll it give you another terrible. what's not popping. Did you see Lucas Giolito, who was part of that trade? And he got he got traded to the Angels from the White Sox at the deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And then the what the then they released him because they wanted to save some money because they realized they weren't going to make it. Lucas Giolito then got picked up by the Indians or the Guardians. I'm sorry, Cleveland Guardians. He has become the first pitcher since the 1800s. To give up eight earned runs for three different teams in one season. <laughs> Way to go, Luca! Ooh, infamous, notorious for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> you suck for three different teams. Oh man! Wow! Great job, uh, Ty. What's your uh, Sex Panther pick of the night? What's popping? Uh, let's go ahead and take the under in the Toronto and Oakland Athletics game today. Under yeah. eight runs. Under eight mm-hmm. runs. All right. That's what you Haven't got. been doing too hot recently, so let's get back on track. 60% of the time, it works every time. Not even that of late. So. <laughs> hey, come in, what, you be watching that because those Blue Jays are right in the wild card mix with the Rangers, Mariners, and Astros here. So Blue Jays are one to watch. They're playing the lousy Oakland A's. Rod. Tomorrow's NFL game day. You ready to make your Woo! picks? I'm ready, boy. Let's go. Jim Rowe is let's next. Go. We'll see you at 6 a.m. tomorrow.